Stephen fucking Bailey, how you doing? I'm well, thank you. How are you going? <laughs> I'm doing really well, man. Really well. Um, like we were talking about. In a about, while. Yeah, it's, yeah. Um, well, because we already decided that we can talk about age. It's been probably 30-ish years. Something like that. Um, and, well, shoot, what was it, 91, 92, somewhere in there that we were at Chantrell's, 90, 1990, maybe? I don't know. I mean, Something it's like a that. blur to me. Yeah. I, I think the last yeah, time I, 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 I moved to San Francisco in 93. It was right before I moved to San Francisco. So that was 93. So Right, right. It had it right in there. And you had that, that incredible Volvo, right? Yeah. I, <laughs> I love that car. car. I miss that car. I had two of them, actually. I had the sedan and I had a station wagon. Both oh, the one the one twenty two S's. One was right. in nineteen sixty six, one was nineteen sixty seven. Yeah, I mean beautiful cars. And here's actually a funny story. About six months ago, I guess, one I wanna say about that. Um I was walking down that alleyway for whatever reason and I saw almost exactly the same car. Like <laughs> you know, driving down the alley and, and just for a second it was like, Oh my god, you know, it's nineteen ninety or whatever year that was. Yeah. You know, again. Um, yeah, because those are phenomenal cars. Um, even though I know you had some issues with that car, like I remember a few times you're like, "Take him in, the car won't start." <laughs> I only because I didn't take good care of it. It wasn't the car's fault. It was all user error for sure. <laughs> I blew up an engine by not putting oil in the darn thing. I mean, it was I, yeah, I, I was I've, irresponsible youth. <laughs> I, look, it was right around that time I had a a '65 Ford Fairlane, which is like totally cherry, and I got mm. it for for almost nothing right I, I think i paid like 500 dollars for it and the car was even back then it was probably worth five grand and i was over at my girlfriend's house at the time and it snowed and i was like oh i'll just leave the car at her house right not even thinking no antifreeze at all you know, in the car. <laughs> and so like a week later after the snow melted i was like oh, i'll just go back and get my car and of course it doesn't start so I took it to the mechanic, and the mechanic is like, "Are you fucking retarded? Like, I mean, sir, like, what is wrong with you? You left this yeah. car, you know, in sub-zero temperatures for a week. I don't know. Kids, man, we didn't know what we were doing. Yeah, I just liked the car. <laughs> you know, the car was great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I think I ended up selling it for like three hundred. So I only lost two hundred bucks over like a year. Like, you know, eh, whatever. You know, it's not bad. So anyway, we uh, we kind of jumped in without me even introducing who who you right. are. <laughs> um so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna back up to like where I met you and then kinda I'm gonna let you take over from there. Um so right. Steve and I worked at, at a little restaurant, um uh, bakery, what whatever you would call it, right? In in Edmonds, Washington as as he was um preparing to become, you know, what what Stephen Bailey has become. Right. Um, Laying the groundwork. Laying yeah, the ground. I'm, I'm trying, man. I'm trying. <laughs> so, um, I was the midnight baker, and you opened the cafe. I remember that. Mm -hmm. And almost every morning, um, because I was just coming off of you know working that that horrible you know bakery you know bullshit thing, and you would come in, and almost every single morning, you would crank "It's the End of the World as We Know It" by REM. Yep, and it always felt like that was the end of the world. It was, like, <laughs> and it literally was for me because my day was almost over, and yeah. you were just starting. I was revving up. Yeah, and I remember you saying over and over again, "You're like, hey, 
someday I'm going to be a famous actor. Like I, I remember that vividly, you know, and, and you might've only said it. Once, I literally but, said, know. I'm going to be a famous actor. I literally said, I'm going to be a famous actor. Well, something along those lines, me. Well, you know, hell. <laughs> when, when you're 19, 20, 18, 19, 20, however old we were. Right. I mean, yeah, like right? you say shit like that. Sure. Sure. Um, yeah. And <laughs> it was, it wasn't until many years later, you know, um, whatever happened, like both left that, that cafe and i think it was like 2004 yeah it was probably about 2004 um that i was watching a show with my my first wife who was very into um, reality tv and whatnot and we're watching and i said kelly because she also worked there right at chantrell at that time and as we're as we're uh, going through this whole thing watching the show um, there's a, oh my fucking God, that, that's the guy who used to open the, you're totally frozen, dude. So I was talking to my, my, um, girlfriend at the time who became my first wife and, and she was very into like reality TV and, and she looks up and she's like, that guy looks really familiar. And I was like, no, no, no. I mean, it can't be right. I mean, like, there's no way. And she watched the all six episodes like personally i don't have the appetite for reality tv so it was like okay half an episode and was like okay i'm done right anyway so she watched the whole thing and then she came back with i think that's the guy we worked with the chantrell i was like holy sh it is <laughs> right which which made me you know i forget how i found it at the time but anyway so i found a couple of the episodes and like went back and, and watched and i was like oh my god and it was it was you know it was it was entertaining man <laughs> you know like the premise of that show was, it was really enjoyable for what it was it was a weird show but it was enjoyable for what it was i think D did people hate you because of that like i mean because you didn't come across as the nicest fucking guy right <laughs> um and and that was part right, of the script but... of course you know i don't think that people i didn't get a lot of people hating me i i had a lot of people feel like that they could uh like they knew me more than like because of the character i was playing on that show the fact that they set up that i was an actor and they repeatedly said i was an actor made people not hate me as much you know oh, that's for true. It. They did. but i had a lot of people who felt like um they could come up to me in a bar and just like you know hit me on the shoulder and be like dude what's happening like they knew me and like because i was this raunchous guy on the show that i would naturally be raunchous and you know just crazy in real life and that i would want to do all kinds of crazy things with them and i was always right. like oh, i'm just you know having a beer you know, how you doing <laughs> you right know? right so there's a lot of that um i don't think people were very frustrated with it it was um yeah. it was a, just a weird just a weird experience overall. well it, it was kind of like the the beginning of of that extreme um reality tv too right and so, like, there are boundaries that were pushed, yeah. societal boundaries that um, I don't think most people were quite ready for, right? I mean, like, they loved it. And I think they loved it yeah. because it was outside of the boundaries. Um, but, um, so, backing up. So, I saw, like, the first half of the first episode. And then I, mm. my, my girlfriend at the time made me watch the ending. And so, I'm watching that, and it was like, wow, this is weird. Like it was, it was from a creative standpoint. I was, like, a this little is, bit. I was like, I heard you say it made me watch the ending. 
Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So I did watch the ending, and that that's the important part. Um, and it was really fascinating because just keep going because I can hear you. Okay, it's all good. Um, and so watching the ending, it was like, well, this is kind of sad, but at the same time, it was like from a creative standpoint, it was like this is fucking brilliant, right? Like whoever came up with this is is brilliant. It was a very it's one way to put it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Brilliant, sure. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, it, uh, it was a very uh, shift in what was happening in that kind of television at the time, yeah. for sure. It was like us and a couple other shows. One I can recall, the um, Average Joe, I think, which kind of had an element of hidden camera, kind of surprise prize sort of deal uh, like we had. But it really was a shift in what was happening. And I'm, I'm like you, honestly, I don't, I don't watch reality TV. It's, it's not my genre, you know, that I right. enjoy watching. But um, that thing was interesting to me as an actor to work on it, just because it was just such a strange improv, you know, task yeah. and stuff like that. And it was just like a weird. It was such a surreal experience and such a weird animal. And it's hard to even right. explain today because, like you say, I mean, nowadays reality TV is just so whatever all kinds of places and back then it was like this unique thing that people were having trouble defining you know and it's like it's weird to be like right. that was something i was like, it's odd. It's odd. no i can imagine i can imagine um i yeah the, the way that industry has changed is um i think kind of the opposite right so when when people used to talk about reality tv there was always that oh reality Right. Like, I mean, people understood it was like, well, it's not really reality. Right. Mm -hmm. And now you have shows like um, I, I hate to even say the name out loud, but like the Kardashians, which is reality. But it's it's totally not. But everyone thinks it's real. Right. Well, none of the reality is really all that. The thing that the guy said to me on that show, when we were casually talking, you know, at two in the morning after a full day of, of shooting, you know, he we were talking about kind of what you and I were talking about right now. And, and he said, the thing you have to remember about reality TV is it's still TV. Right. It's still TV. Like yeah. the way that they approach it, the way that they look at the different reality people on the show, they still look at it as characters that they're developing through mm -hmm. a five act or a three act thing. And they, you know, it, it's, it's still, it's real. Like people say, did that really happen? It's like, well, sure. It really happened. Yeah, of course. But, um, you know, and, and yeah, she didn't know what we were doing. She was fooled, blah, blah, blah. But there's just so much manipulation that happens. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean just manipulation of the edit. I mean, manipulation of the people involved and, and just the right. psychological manipulation to get them to do what they, what they wanted to do and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's a very weird thing because I'm used to working with actors who, we're all in on it, you know, <laughs> Right. <laughs> we're talking about how to get to places. And now these people are like trying to like corral these, these real people into like, you know, right. having a certain moment or something. It's, I mean, it, it, it's like the ultimate improv, right? Well, yeah, from my perspective, it was, it was the, right. probably the most improv thing I hope to ever do because it was, <laughs> I mean, literally there was a couple of days that were like 12 hours all day long and they mm -hmm. kept forgetting that, you know, not forgetting but they kept putting us in situations where like we would drive somewhere because we're going to go in and have this 
big thing at a, a clothing store or something, or we're going to go to the beauty salon and get me a, a, a redo of my hair or whatever. And that's the gag that we're doing. But they would just leave us in the car waiting for things to free up to get set up correctly. Mm-hmm. And I'd be probably with this woman for like three hours, lying my ass off the whole time, trying not to get caught. And I would finally just be like, I had to pull producers beside me, like, you cannot do that. You can't just right. leave me in a car for three hours. Everything I'm saying, I'm making up, you know, like I'm going to go crazy. Well, okay. So we, we, we skipped a lot there, right? So no, 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 I, I did it. Um, how did you get to that point? So you, you know, from, from us working together in Chantrell and you mm. going to work at, or going to work, going to school at ACT, um, how the fuck did you go from that to being on that that reality tv show like what happened that's a good question uh there's a saying in my industry that your your career kind of picks you in a weird way all you can really do is get the training and do your best to do stuff but the fact is you generally speaking you kind of take the jobs that come along you know mm-hmm. and that's something that is something that you feel uncomfortable with or they're not willing to pay you or whatever dumb reason, but generally speaking, right. you, you know, so that people think because it's a reality show, it was some kind of different experience to, but it was still the same audition process. You know, I still uh, went through the same sort of uh, audition process that you would for any series in the sense that I auditioned for the directors and then I had to go and re-audition for the producers. And then I ultimately had to re-audition for the head of Fox studios and like do all of that stuff, which is just the same as, auditioning for an hour-long drama as a series regular or something but it was all like this improv based thing they actually brought in uh improv actress to come in and kind of stand in you know for the, mm-hmm. the randy character and, and we would just kind of improv in front of these people and they'd be like all right and then i love it you got the job you know and you and you look back and you kind of well was that the right job for me to take i don't know it was the job presented to me Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Trust me, man. I, I've I've done look many back of later those. and go. Maybe that was a good idea. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. But it was the job presented. Yeah. You know. That's. <laughs> yeah, and 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 you did a fantastic job. Like I, I, I you know, at, at the time, of course, I was very anti that that whole you know reality TV thing, and sure. I've actually watched some of those clips, and you know, after the fact, um, and been like, I mean, there's no way I could. I mean, like, no, no, no way I could have done that. Like, I, I. I you know, I would have broken character, you know, a hundred times, probably per episode, right? Just because, you know, some of the situations are, are pretty outlandish, right? Yeah, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a surreal experience, yeah. So I, I only have one last question about that particular show. And, and by the way, we're, we're, I realized we didn't even say it. We're talking about my big, fat, obnoxious fiance. That's so, right. Quality, um, quality title. <laughs> well, well, that okay, so that's the question. So your that was your first like major tv like you had done commercials and you had done obviously a lot of acting like in theater and whatnot right Mm -hmm. but that was your first like television you know network television sort of of debut right uh the first time i'd had something i i guessed it in on shows like will and grace and becker and things like that Mm -hmm. but you you know small small roles i was still when i was cutting my teeth you're right like i would come in and say like here's your papers you know and then i would you know leave so right. I had done some stuff like that, but it was the first kind of thing that got any real attention. Yeah. Right. Well, I, I'm going to assume it was also the first time where, where you're listed as literally in Wikipedia. It's like starring Steve yeah. Bailey. Right. Yeah. And there's right. no one else's name. It's just like, cause you're the only actor on the show and you know, at least in theory. Um, so 
the question I had was, um, first of all, I, I think you're none of these things, which is why I'm asking the question, but big, fat, obnoxious, right? Like, so <laughs> your, your debut, at least, you know, made, you know, not major screen, but, you know, major television sort of debut, right? And the words behind it are big, fat, obnoxious. Oh, it's worse than you think, actually. Because, <laughs> okay. uh, it's very common um, for a variety of reasons I won't bore you with, but it's very common that they often shoot something with a different title than what the title ultimately ends up being. So oh, I shot God. that thing with no knowledge whatsoever that that was the title. It was called Whirlwind when we were working on it. Oh, my God. And um, part of that is probably by design. Like I said, they're very manipulative. So mm -hmm. they don't want me to, they didn't want me to know that was the name of the show. You know what I mean? Wow. Not because I would have responded negatively, but just because mm -hmm. they weren't sure if I respond negatively. So why tell them? You know what I mean? Like, that's right. very common in this industry. <laughs> it's like, I would have been oh. fine with it, really. But it's just like, they don't tell you. So I experienced what you're talking about. Uh, the show debuted around Christmas or mm -hmm. around Thanksgiving, I guess it would have been. It was mm -hmm. holiday season. The point is, I was actually up in Seattle visiting my family. And I was actually went to that oh. QFC or whatever that grocery store is up on 196 and 76. You know? All right, right, QFC. I and, was actually uh, just there last night, which is funny. <laughs> is it still called the QFC? It is, yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, I, uh, somebody said something to me, you know, uh, about it. And then I, I was like, what are you talking about? Some stranger, like, recognized me and and then I get home and I see these promos that are running and it's like big, fat, obnoxious fiance and I'm oh. around with my, in my underwear, you know, and it's like, huh, that's interesting title. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> wow. and they probably have that as the title from the beginning. They just you know, didn't tell me. Yeah, probably, probably. I mean, yeah. but it happens all the time. Like, shoot, we were watching Coming to America 2 last night on, on mm -hmm. Amazon. At the end, they have a bunch of um, out, outtakes, you know. And the mm -hmm. clap report, even for that, it said the quest, like the name of the project was called the. Quest. Oh, really? You look I didn't in the, notice the that. yeah, and you're like, well, what is that? And part of it is like they're trying to hide from, you know, they have the signs that direct people where they're going to park and stuff that are all over Hollywood, and they, you prefer right. to say the quest than coming to America too, right? So that people aren't, you know, and so it's just things like that happen all the time. It's just interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm always amused, and and this is just a, a slight segue, but. Whenever I stay in Hollywood, I always stay at the Roosevelt. And then mm -hmm. I walk down the street to probably one of my favorite bars on the planet, which is Bordner's on, on Cherokee in Hollywood. Um, oh, you should know Bordner's, man. There's a lot of history there. Um, oh, oh, I know where it is. It's across, around the corner from the 24-hour um, uh, pantry restaurant thing. What is that called? It's been there forever. Like right down. You're talking about right down near the Staples Center. and Frank's is right around the corner. Is that uh, what you're talking about? No, I'm talking about downtown. You're talking. Oh yeah, no, this is Hollywood. It, it's Cherokee. You're Hollywood. thinking of the Roosevelt. I am thinking of something entirely different. There's another hotel downtown. Somebody's watching this. They're going. He's talking about that hotel. There's a, there's a hotel like the Roosevelt that's downtown. That's right by the Stable Center. Ah. Oh, anyway, I think I know ahead. what you're yeah, talking go about. Ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Anyway, so when you when you do that walk. Um, first of all, walking down Hollywood Boulevard, it, you know, especially during the summer is like, you just don't do that. Right. So um, I, I've made that walk many times and I figured out all the, the you know, like back alley sort of ways to get from, you know, like 10 blocks from, you know, the Roosevelt down to, to Bordner's. And mm. 
that's there's there's a strip where like three or four um talk shows are, are filmed mm. right and they do the same thing they're like um you know guest today and it's like some random person that nobody's ever heard of right and i think they do that just to to make people like oh we're not going to line up you like three thousand deep we'll only line up a thousand deep because it's something yeah, yeah, we've yeah. never heard of before yeah there's stuff like that it's got now it's different than what you're talking about but in the same vein like they're so paranoid about scripts getting out and stuff now sometimes right. i audition for shows with scenes that do not exist like you audition with a scene similar to what right. they're trying to cast and then you know change it yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's uh, two days ago i had uh a guy named Holden Payne on and literally his real name, Holden Payne. Um, he is the uh, technical director for uh, Sundance. And so mm. we were talking about some of the security stuff they have to deal with. And, and it's amazing, you know, because they're, yeah, they're given two copies of, of the film and they're, they're timestamp or timestamp. They're locked into a particular projector so they can only play mm. them certain times and whatever and still people are, are stealing stuff right you like you know but before a film is released they're like oh yeah no, no. somehow you know they're and i should know since i do software but anyway <laughs> somehow they're able to do that um and it's it's a huge problem for them right because the the liability is if, if a major studio um and this doesn't necessarily apply to sundance but um gives you a copy of a film that's not been seen by the public and suddenly it's out there, then, uh, you know, it, it falls on you. Huge. Yeah. I mean, it happens all, I mean, again, not nearly the same as what you're talking about, but just on a myopic, a much smaller scale in my, in my world, like we even get watermarks on scripts that we get that have like our name embedded with them. Really? So if I got a script and I even just a few pages to audition with, if that loses my, I get that, leave that on a subway or something. And then it ends up on the internet. It's going to have my name watermarked on it. You know, the studios are going to be like, "This guy wow. out of his hands," you know. And that that sort of stuff is happening all day. Got to protect themselves. It's well, bonkers to me. The thing that's bonkers to me is, as a fan of film and television myself, I do not understand for one second why anybody wants advanced information. It's crazy to me. Yeah, no, I, don't I, I see get that. part of Game of Thrones, un, uh, a half edited thing. Uh, you know, why? I'm going to wait. You know, I want to yeah. see it when the movie comes out. Why would I want somebody to leak? I don't want to read the script. I want to see the movie. Like, I don't get it. Yeah. Why people. Yeah. You know. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I agree. Um, there's a flip side to that, which is people who um, read a book after the movie is made, which always makes me a little bit angry because it's. <laughs> Just because I, I guess I, I fall more on the literature side than the film side. Sure. And um, the thing that really makes me angry are books that are written after the movie, right? So there was no book. There was a script that somebody had, and then they write a book. Yeah. I'm like, well... It's a book based on the movie, based on the play, based on the Broadway exactly. musical. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> based on an idea by a guy named Jim. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, I mean, I know why they do it because, you know, I mean, money makes the world go around, right? I mean, like, you know, you, you figure out that, that that right pathway to to profitability and stick with it, you know, and studios and my industry, you know, music and, and, and certainly in software, um, very, very guilty of that, right? So I'm, I'm not calling out the movie industry at all because I think hmm. they have to do what they have to do to survive at this point. 
right? Because yeah, yeah. it's, and I think going into like, you know, um, I, I'm not a movie guy at all, but starting with like, well, Blair Witch Project was probably the one where I think the studios were like, holy shit, you know, some guy with a Super 8 can actually record this movie that you know well, things are changing in that regard really fast for sure yeah exactly so you don't have to spend 100 million dollars right yeah. you can spend a million dollars or even less than a million dollars and potentially, dollars, I mean, really yeah and go crazy um so sorry I, I didn't mean for this to get into that uh that weird space about you know talking about the industry because i i think we could probably talk for a few hours about how yeah sure how evil um some of those industries are um, and it's probably not good for either of our careers so it's probably best if we don't really dig into that too deep um, yeah right but th that reminds me of a couple of things um so and actually this is probably before the fiance show now that i'm thinking about it probably i don't know my, my timeline you know it is you get older you forget shit <laughs> um, um i'm thinking that um Maybe it was Grey's Anatomy that I saw you the first time. Now, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't, I don't know about the timeline. I, I could be totally off, but I think that was. Well, Grey's was after Big Fat. Big Fat was, was in like 2002 and 2003. And then Grey's, I think I, I would say 2004 or 2005 was Grey's Anatomy. Okay. okay. All, like of, that, yeah. all of that decade is a complete blur to me. So I, I'm, I'm glad that you qualified that. Um, I, I I have a couple of questions about that man. So I I watched the entire series. Like I said, my my first wife was you know a huge fan of those sorts of shows, and um, so I was kind of forced to watch some of them. But I actually ended up liking you know several of those shows. Um, and Grey's mm -hmm. happened to be one of them. Um, and but I still I I'd watched the entire like a season I think or two because you were like seasons two and three and a little bit of four or something like that, whatever. It was like two seasons and then a little bit of another one or one or two. Like that. I was actually, I think, uh, involved in episodes all the way up to season seven, but they were, this, the bulk were like two to four. You're right. Seasons right. two okay. to four was the bulk. Yeah. 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 It, it's funny. So I actually, I watched a bunch of them and it was only a couple of years later that I realized that was you as the bartender, right? Because, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you know, age and whatnot, things, you know, we we you know we forget shit um, <laughs> but the funniest part to me is i didn't realize until i started doing just a tiny bit of research you know to talk to you this time around that the name of the bar was joe's bar and because of course you know i knew i, I should have figured it out because you know the character is joe so i'm like well why wouldn't it be joe's bar um and then Again, it was only like yesterday, I think, when I when I finally looked at it, I was like, "Huh, there is Joe's Bar just down the street from Virginia Mason, hmm. right?" Is it? Yeah, Joe's Bar. It's it's a but it's it's a totally divey bar, like totally divey. It's it's on Fifth between um, Jackson. I want to say between Jackson and Yesler. I, I forget exactly, but it's it's right on Fifth Avenue, and it's one of those bars where where people go in hmm. and, and cash their checks right like on fridays it's like you know they literally let people like cash their checks <laughs> great divey bar i mean wonderful nice. um, and so i guess judging by the look on your face you have 
no idea how to answer the question I'm about to give you. And that question is, was that in any way based on, on the real Joe's bar? Because there are similarities. No, actually, uh, well, uh, maybe somebody went there. I don't know. The, the, uh, the bar is technically on Grey's Anatomy called the Emerald City Bar, which I think there's actually an Emerald City Bar in Seattle oh, as well. They yeah, just refer to it like casually as Joe's Bar. So it's actually the Emerald City Bar. And I don't think it was based on anything in that regard because it was actually the first one or two episodes. You know, they they didn't know if they were going to use uh, that bar set or not. You know, they were mm -hmm. still kind of exploring. A lot of shows have like a third place. They have like the homes, you know, like it's a, the coffee shop on, on, on Friends and, or, you know, it, it's the diner on, on Seinfeld. They've got a third spot. You have work and you have home. And that show didn't really have a right. third spot. And so they were kind of low. So we actually shot uh, the first two episodes in a bar in Pasadena that uh, then when they built the set, that had to kind of mirror the real bar uh, mm -hmm. to an extent for matching and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So if people really want to, I don't even think it, I don't even know it's the same bar. I think it's probably changed hand three times, but if someone really, really wanted to, and they were big enough fans, they could seek out the real Joe's bar in Pasadena. And I think it's unfair. <laughs> I think it's unfair on people. Go! Run! Run there now! I, I personally love Pasadena. Um, when mm -hmm. I first moved, the first time I moved to LA, I've, I've lived there a couple of times, but the first time I lived in Burbank and I was like, mm -hmm. oh, this is awesome. You know, like when I first moved there, I was like, this is great. And I realized, well, the only thing in Burbank are the studios, which are you know, were miles away. I lived on Angelino, like right off I-5, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the only other thing was the Burbank Mall. And I was like, this is the, the worst place I've ever lived in my entire fucking life. Like, this sucks so bad. You know? Well, there's a huge idea up there now. I mean, well, you I'm know, sure. things are getting better up in Burbank. I'm sure. <laughs> um, but, but the thing that cracked me up is, I think I moved down there in 90, late 90, probably, maybe 91. Um, and I lived in this, this apartment complex that was... Um, probably shitty in hindsight but it seemed really cool back then um huge apartment complex right off i-5 right um and all of the people that i would see down at the pool it was all like you know these tall thin like you know adonis like you know both male and females like whatever and, and i'd hear these stories like i'd see a pepsi commercial i'm good for 750 for the rest of my life you know like I, they were talking about this like mythical thing and i wasn't there for that i was there totally more on the music side which i knew like that was never going to go anywhere but all these people like yeah i just got this commercial blah blah, blah. oh it's in syndication they're, they're talking this language i was like i don't even understand what you're talking about there is a language for sure <laughs> yeah. and it is extensive and hard to explain to other people but it's changing yeah. all the time too because everything changes and how we are where yeah. commercials and our contracts are and stuff but yeah there's those conversations are we're having those kind of quoted conversations amongst actors all the time. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no. But I mean, for me, you know, the amazing part was the, the, um, the ease of which these terms are like fly off people's tongues. And, and of course now being older and, and, you know, having gone through, at least on the music side, um, a lot of this terminology and whatnot, I realized they were so full of shit. Like, I mean, they were so full of shit. Like if somebody said, "Yeah, well, that's I, part of it for sure." Yeah. You're dealing with actors. Come on, they're, they're like, 
I mean, one guy in particular, I remember, was like, yeah, I made 750K for a Pepsi commercial. And it was like, at that time, it's like, that seems reasonable. Yeah. Right? <laughs> no, it's, it's not at all. He probably made, if he was lucky 7,500, you know, and, and he might He was it. lucky 75K. I mean, there are stories of, I, I have not experienced it, but I, I do have friends who, on the right spot, you know, you know, you could, you could do. Yeah, right. 750k though. That's 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 low money. Ridiculous. That's so yeah. And we're talking yeah, 1991 money, right? Like, I mean, yeah. there's no way. That's flow money right there. That's not, yeah. not for the rank um, and <laughs> But yeah, I mean, some of these conversations would be like, yeah, um, you know, like sitting around the pool on like you know an August afternoon or whatever. I'm like, yeah, I got this commercial. Oh, and I get the residuals, right? Like, and I remember one time. Actually, it was the same Pepsi guy. It was like, yeah, I get, I forget what it was. It was something ridiculous. Like, you know, a, a, uh, I totally forget. But some ridiculous amount every time the commercial aired. And it was like, okay, you know, Pepsi uses the same commercials, like, you know, potentially worldwide and, and potentially thousands of times a day, right? I mean, you know. Mm -hmm. And you're like, you're saying you make that much money every time the commercial airs? <laughs> like, well, <laughs> you're going to be the richest man in the world. <laughs> well, you can make some good money on commercials. It's not as extreme as he says, but there is a residual uh, structure and you, in certain situations, not all of them, uh, you, I don't want to, oh, it can go really deep into this, but <laughs> people always hear that you get paid every time it airs. And, and that is true only in a very specific situation, which right. was. You're frozen. Please keep talking because this is good. God damn it. and things like that, it, it, it just runs as much as it wants uh, for a certain amount of time for X amount of dollars. And right. it, they could run it a, a million times on cable. You're not getting paid every time. You're getting a set fee for right. a 13-week cycle and it, it renews, you know. Yeah. But the people, I, I, you know, I, I don't uh, I don't want to get into a big discussion about defending the, the pay scale in, in acting, but no. the truth Please of the matter is these guys, these guys are spending um, literally tens of millions of dollars a month to put these commercials on TV. Right. And uh, the actors who they are trusting with that tens of millions of dollars a month mm -hmm. to present uh, something that's extremely important to them, these commercials. Mm -hmm. uh, there is, uh, it is weird that we get paid. Uh, some people have trouble understanding why we get paid more than you know, a firefighter, you know, which is a reasonable right. question. It's a reasonable question. Of course it is. Uh, you know, uh, but it has to do more with, uh, uh, you know, it's it's not about how much, it's about what you represent to the company and you're, you're the point of the spear, you know, and stuff yeah, like of that. Course. So $750,000 is completely unreasonable. That's not happening. That's BS, even in 91, probably. Right. Uh, uh, I'm you know. sure it was. This is some kid who was he he couldn't have been older than like 18, and he was from like Ohio. So <laughs> I'm sure he probably just misunderstood the contract. Like, right? It was like, oh wait, I missed the decimal by like two points, or maybe even well, three right. points. Right? Like, I don't know. We're paying you 75 bucks to be a cameo. Right? <laughs> right. I can't tell you how many how many actors, myself included, at some point in their career 
mm-hmm. thought that the thing that they were just doing was going to pay more than it did and <laughs> right. you know, very excited about it and then it didn't and people like, buy cars and then regret it oh. and people buy homes and then regret it you know oh yeah i didn't, I didn't do that fortunately but uh well that's that's good man that's good plus <laughs> you never know because they're always like performance clauses right and all of that stuff too right so well there's performance clauses in the sense that we have a very strong when we're talking about commercials and stuff like that we have a very strong contract uh our union you know is, mm-hmm. the issue is more you know that more commercials are going non-union but once you're actually in a commercial that is union and it's everybody's abiding by the rules fortunately you don't you don't have much uh you don't have to worry about it too much you know like oh, that's, that's good, that's good. It's, it's nice it's nice in that regard we have a good union I, I trust you know it's got issues there's always issues but in general we it's been good so because we were talking about commercials there are two of yours that i want to just briefly touch on because i find them both completely fucking hysterical um <laughs> okay. the first one is the guy go <laughs> one mm-hmm because that one, I remember I was I was really stoned. I'd smoked a bunch of weed, and I was up, and it was like three o'clock uh, in the morning. Way to watch my work in general, by the way. <laughs> right? So it was like three o'clock in the morning, and I had the munchies. So I like had gone upstairs and tried to make some food, and I just crawled back in the bed, and I had the TV on, which I never watched TV, but I just happened to have it on, and I was like who that guy in the tractor like holy shit he looks familiar and luckily i had like a um you know a, a, a dvr sort of thing going so i was like oh i rewinded it and again i was so stoned steve i, I kept watching it over and over again i was like i think oh wait because i mean it, it's only like you know five seconds out of you know a 30 second commercial so it was like okay rewind rewind whatever <laughs> and i was like that that is kind of perfect man uh. <laughs> That was such me a commercial to do, man. I can't even tell you how fun that one. Some are really, really fun. That one's a good one. We got to so, mess with all those different lawnmowers and stuff. And then I don't know if you remember the spot or people watching it, but I'm, I'm mowing a lawn and uh, my tractor, the, my mowing device keeps getting more and more extravagant, wacky. Right. And there's the best part of it isn't even me. The best part is the other guy. The guy I'm doing the scene with is an older guy who just stuck his head through a hedge to talk to me mm-hmm. and, and that's, that, right. that's what made it that's what made it just like him just talking through a hedge while i'm have a lawnmower with flames coming out of it and stuff i mean that's I just, just absurdist good times I and mean, that's just those are the kind of commercials i like i like absurdist nonsense it's just like totally right. wacky. Which, so which, which leads me into the next one which is the geico one which i i just saw for the first time not that long ago was is geico. i think it's geico i'm not geico no, it's not Geico. Oh, the one where you're the uh, the the attorney. Oh, oh, Isn't Capital that? One. Capital, Capital one. one. I'm sorry. Yeah. One. Why did it say Geico? I'm sorry. Never mind. I was talking about the old one. You know what I mean. I know. Anyway, um, that one that one cracks me up because it's just like it it's such an absurd representation of a lawyer that it just it, it makes me laugh every time I see it. Right? I mean, it's it's hysterical. <laughs> You know. my favorite part my favorite part is that they use this take where it's after Gardner does her bit and it kind of cuts to a reaction for me and for some reason I kind of turned to the other people kind of like whoa and I, I touch I touch my belly I touch my belly some it's just funny <laughs> I just I don't know what I was doing and so now when my girlfriend and I watch it and we'll see hey it's come on you 
And I'll be like, belly touch in three, two, <laughs> yeah. boom, belly touch. You know? <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. You know what? I, I got to say this, man. It, it, it's a lot of fun, like, watching something and, and randomly see you pop up. You know, I, it's fun for me I, too. I, yeah, I think it's awesome. <laughs> um, one of them is is you, which I I I know it's supposed to be kind of like a, a teenage girl or, or you know twenty or thirty year old you know female sort of show. I loved it. I thought it was an incredible series, and I'm really excited for it to come back on. But um, I was watching it with yeah. my girlfriend, and I remember I forget which which episode it was, but I remember going, I know that guy. She's like, no, you don't. And I was like, no, I do, I do, I do. I worked with him in Chantrell. And that's kind of what started this whole whole process, right? It was like, yeah, uh, no. No, I saw him. I saw him on there. Season um, two episode two, people. Season two episode two. Sometimes. Oh, excellent. No, no, I like that. <laughs> um I I just I hope for that show. Um, and I don't expect comments on this. I just hope that they they got a little bit boring towards the end. Mm-hmm. Or not boring, they got um predictable. Right, which is is bad. You don't want to be predictable, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I think the writing is is really good. I think that you know the acting is top notch, but boy, I just I hope they don't fall down that rabbit hole of. I don't think they will. I mean, I, I I've watched the show season one and two, and I I enjoyed it like you did too. I felt the kind of the same way. Like this isn't something I watched it because I was going to be on it. You know, I watched mm-hmm. the first season, right? Of course. And I didn't I didn't think you know, I wasn't sure if I'd like it. You know. Uh, I really enjoyed it a lot. And then when I worked on it, I felt like everybody, uh, the the head writer and showrunner and, and the lead guy, I'm trying to remember his name. He's a very talented guy. A kid. It's, it's aggravating. You want to beat him up. Mm-hmm. You're like, you're too young to be that talented. I'm gonna oh, yeah. Yeah. Right yeah. No, um, absolutely. I feel confident that they're going to bring it back third season. I mean, it's yeah. that it will be, it will be um, solid. I, it, the woman I worked with, uh, her name is Silver Tree, and she direct. She's a, one of the main. Anyway, I have a lot of confidence in her. She was great. Yeah. Really. No, I, I again, I, I think everything is is spot on, and and maybe it's just the way that we've become as consumers now. Like we, there's there's a definite dumbing down, and and I, I think it's it's partly because our, well, we as as a society have become dumbed down a little bit, right? And so when I do see a show that, that kind of, st- you know, steps outside of that, that boundary, I, I love it. Like it, I'm like, great, go for it. Like, yeah. let's not have a happy ending because everyone expects a happy ending. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's do something that's going to be a little bit different. Um, that definitely steps outside of, of, um, you know, the norm. Um, Steve, one wh- of my, my, the things that, that pisses me off more than anything is watching a movie and it always ends with a, the happy love scene at the end. Right. It's so trite. Like, I mean, you know, it's coming, you know, and it's like they, they introduce like, oh, here, here's a male actor. Here's a female actor or you know, whatever. And you already know. Right. Yeah. Like w- Within the first like, you know, five minutes of, of, you know, watching the first episode, you're like, OK, well, there's going to be a love thing between these two. Like, OK, great. But I think society really loves the shit out of that. Right. I mean, the, the average consumer is like, yay. Well, like a lot of times people want to want to see things that are familiar to them, you know, right. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I, I, I get frustrated with it too, but uh, it seems like people just keep wanting it, you know, and it's the same thing with all the sequels and stuff. People are like, why are they bringing back another, you know, Spider-Man or whatever? And it's like, well, it's a pre-sold franchise, man. People are going to come, we're going to come to check it out, you know, 
either way. Mm -hmm. And so I I feel like that a lot of, um, a lot of that is happening, but on the, on the other side, I mean, you is a good example. The TV show you is a good example. I feel like there's room now more than ever before, you know, the budgets are smaller and there's a lot of negatives about it from a working on it standpoint, but, Mm -hmm. but there are, uh, there's more of a, a room, I think, uh, mm-hmm. for shows like you, shows like Barry, shows like the Kaminsky Method, shows like mm-hmm. uh, Ted Lasso. You know, that are that are smaller and and uh, they don't they don't need to live up to uh, 20 million people watching it every Thursday night. You know, there's now room on on streamers and different things where you know you could just have a fun little show. Have you seen the Kaminsky method? You know, I'm I haven't, about no, 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 but I, I would. Oh, it's so fantastic. And I just don't feel like something like, it's about two, you know, guys in their 70s, 60s, you know, relating mm-hmm. to each other as friends. And, and and it's Michael Douglas and Alan Arkin, and it's just fantastic. Oh, and wow, that sounds like, phenomenal. Oh, you got to watch it. It's on, it's either Netflix or HBO. I think it's Netflix. Okay. Um, there's two seasons of it. And my point isn't, we don't talk about the show, but I just feel like, you know, that show pitched even with those actors 10 years ago, like, let's do this on CBS on Thursday mm-hmm. night. Like, no, man, no, it would have been, if you see it, you know what I'm talking about. It's, it's just a smaller little piece that it, it, there's more avenues for that. You know, you just have to seek it out. You just have to seek it out more. No. And I, I think that that's incredible. And, and I think, um, that that's part of the, the the fallout of having everything available all the time right mm-hmm. um, whether it's film or you know music or, or whatever um everything is available at any time like you know if i want to watch anything that, that is you know from a major network or a major you know label or whatnot i can do it now right legally or not yeah. i mean i can do it now and i think the 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 trade-off of that is that um smaller production companies and, and even smaller studios and, and labels and whatnot have figured out that they can actually step in and, and fill some void mm. there. Right. So they yeah. can do something like for, you know, say 500,000 instead of like 5 million. Right. And yeah. they can do it because, well, they can. And so I, I enjoy all of that. I think that's actually, you know, great. It's, it's way better than the alternative, which is, you know, wait multiple years potentially to to go. No, no worries, man. To go through. Uh, Lost you know, it, my computer screens went weird for a second. I I couldn't see the Zoom thing. I'm sorry. I was listening. It's all good. Man. It's all good. <laughs> hey, I, I'm I'm nothing but uh, um, aware of of adversity to to you know whatever. <laughs> um, I I do this thing where I just stare straight ahead. And it doesn't matter what happens. I just keep going. You know, like okay, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's all good. That works. <laughs> um, you know, I, I credit, you know, um, you know, Edmonds Washington drama for that, right? And I was just like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Whatever. <laughs> you know, you say whatever you want. I, I'm going to be fine. Um, but what I was saying is, is that th- there's that that wonderful thing where um, these smaller studios and and you know production companies and whatnot are able to um, produce stuff that that now has a wide audience because now the the barrier to entry is is way reduced right so there's not you don't have to spend you know last i saw i don't know what it is in in film but i imagine it's pretty close but for music um the budget is generally for for promotion is generally about two and a half to three times the cost of production 
right? Mm -hmm. So you think about that, and I mean, that can be absurd, right? Like if, if it costs you, say, a million dollars to produce something, you know, to you know, by the time you, you, you know, feed the, the musicians egos and, and pay for studio costs and all that good stuff, right? Let's say it's a million bucks. And then you have to spend two and a half to three times that on, you know, production. You're talking like, you know, close to five million bucks to get yeah. something out the door. And you have to recoup that money somehow. Mm -hmm. Right? Big business. So, big business. Yeah, it's a huge business. But yeah. w when you when you lower that barrier to entry, you can end up with some really interesting stuff where, you know, people yeah. are like, yeah, you know what? I can do that for half or even a tenth of the cost. The only problem with that, you're absolutely right. And the only problem with that is often the reason those budgets are going down is they're finding ways to pay people less and less and the contracts are, you know, more uh, loosey-goosey. And, you know, uh, yeah, so, the reason, they're not going to make as much money on it either because it's not going to be a big CBS Thursday night show which and all right. the money that's involved. It's going to be on Netflix. And so, I mean, it all kind of works out. It makes sense. But, you know, it's, uh, you know, nowadays, the same job that I would have been offered 10 years ago for a decent amount of money. Now it's just nothing. Like, you know, it's just right. like we're, oh, we're just making this Hulu film, you know. We got wow. yeah. I, we got a ham sandwich for you. If you want a ham sandwich, you can come down and do a ham sandwich day, you know. But like, and you're kind of like, well, I'm just going to pass then, I guess, you know. Right. Um, you know, it's just weird. You know that—that's tough, man. I mean, that's really tough. And and as both somebody who who works in in the creative side and and as a consumer, I struggle with that a lot. Yeah. You know, it, it it's it's a hard. I don't know where we're going to end up with that. I mean, honestly, I really don't know. Um, I, it's. This is not the first time in history that that we've actually paid people to be, you know, um entertainers right i mean this is mm -hmm. historically we've done this over and over and over you know throughout the centuries um sure. but i think this is the first time when when the audience is is sort of like well but if it costs me more money to see it i'm not necessarily as interested right and i said necessarily on on purpose um mm. and i think that that puts people who are both the creators you know, meaning, you know, yourself, like, you know, the actors, the writers, the, you know, whatever. And the production company is kind of at odds because it's okay. Keep going, man. Keep going. It, it all works out in the end. <laughs> trust me. Um, okay. I, I think, I think what we end up with is um, totally this at odds thing, right? Where, where consumers, like they expect things for free or virtually free. Um, the, the, you know, the true artists like yourself are, are like, yeah, it, it's totally sucks to have, you know, our money reduced. And I'm, we're willing to do it to a point, right? Not all the way down, of course, but you, but, you know, to a point just because, you know, you are, you know, your creators, your, your, you know, whatever, but the studios and, and whatnot are like, no, fuck that. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to take all the money we possibly can which means yeah. they end up, you know, squeezing the creatives like yourself and they definitely are, are squeezing the consumers and, and nobody really wins in that situation, right? Yeah, I mean, it's just that it's gotten too sophisticated, you know? I kind of, in a weird way, I think that people pinching uh, budgets and, and everything, it, it's just like everything else, the technology's gotten better for it, so it goes quicker and more rapid and mm -hmm. the technology to shoot things faster and cheaper i mean 
we're not really in a place to talk about it, but I mean, my writing partner and I are working on a project right now. That's exactly what we're talking about. Like we started the beginning of the project with the idea in mind that this is the budget and it's going to be low and that's the right. ceiling and that's it, mm -hmm. you know, and the actors that we use to go on their journey with us are probably going to be de facto producers and we're not going to pay a lot of money up front, but if it goes right. big, they'll get a lot of money. And it's just a whole different kind of thing when, and back in the day, you know, not that I was ever in a position, I never had a movie I was making or whatever, but if I was that guy, it would be like, well, I'm going to pay this person, you know, $5,000 or whatever. And and that's how much money I need to make a movie expanded right. out to everybody else, you know? Yep. And, and now it's kind of like, well, you know, we'll figure out a way to just kind of make it and, you know, throw it on YouTube, see what happens, or we'll do it over here and try to get Hulu or try to get Netflix. You know, it's just like a, it's a whole other thing, you know, it's a, uh, yeah, so I, I have some ideas around that. Maybe um, you and I can talk in a, in a you know month or two, um, mm -hmm. in terms of of producing things that that can generate money, you know, especially like you know lower mm -hmm. volume or I'm sorry lower lower budget sort of films or music or or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um. Anyway, I'm not ready to talk about it right now, but but maybe in a month or two we can talk about it. Um, sure. So I think I think there definitely is that that need. To, to like fill that space where you can have low budget, high quality, high profit yeah. scenarios. I mean, the high profit part is is always going to be the, the hit or miss part of it. But I absolutely agree that there is a easier path to production as long as you're willing to keep your uh, budget low and you're willing to, mm -hmm. you know, start from the beginning with what you're writing with that in mind. And, you know, that, so yeah. that's interesting. Um, I had never actually even thought of that. So hmm. if you're in that situation where you know your budget's going to be relatively low, writing with that in mind, I mean, that makes total sense, right? Yeah, I mean, it becomes a necessity because especially, again, I have a writing partner. I'm not allowed to talk about it. But like, no, that's fine. Uh, even the, the thing we're working on, you know, it's like we're, we're going to specifically decide that in this series, we're a nine episode thing, you know, we're only gonna have like four locations and they're all gonna mm -hmm. be exterior and it's all gonna be natural light with bounce boards. And it's probably gonna be handheld right. uh, cameras rather than big extensive locked off single camera shots, you know? And like mm -hmm. that, if you just think about that, it, it'll start to um, uh, uh, dictate or at least inform, you know, what 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 it is that the writing's gonna be because it, yeah. it, it, it finds you and, and then, I mean, for me personally, I find the confinement more liberating because once you have a structure, then you know what you're doing and you can, you know, sure. uh, but it, it's, an, it's an interesting way to uh, approach it. And something that people have been doing for years. I just, you know, it took me a while to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. no, you know, hey, if, if, if there's nothing, at least, you know, we're learning as we get older, right? I mean, like, that's important. Yeah, right. Important. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stephen, I... I have I have a question for you. All right, mm. and then we can wrap it up if if you know if that's what we need to do. But um, it, it's a question that I've started asking people for every chat, and that is, what is one thing about you that no one or, or very few people know that you want to talk about? Wow! <laughs> yeah, we're just gonna have this casual conversation at the very yep. end. I'm gonna ask you this. Like... Yep, exactly. No, no, no. I mean, well, that's why I kind of do it because, you know, it's like, um, but it, it's not like in a, in a, you know, like a, a 
what's his name? Uh, Jerry, uh, the stupid talk show guy. Um, I can't even think of his name. So bad. Um, it's not like that. Like it's not an ambush. Yeah, it's not an ambush question. But I mean, it's interesting, you know. Like, what what is, you know, like if somebody was looking up Stephen Bailey, what is something that you could tell them that that would they wouldn't normally see? Well, I think the thing, the first thing that popped in mind is just kind of, uh, we've been talking about it a little bit, um, but kind of around it. I, I just feel like, uh, I don't know if it's age, um, you know, I'm about to turn 50 been doing mm-hmm. this for 30 years now in, you know, 20 years in LA, 30 years total. And, and at some point um, in the last little while, I've really let go of a lot of concerns about the industry and about my Mm-hmm. my career and, and just you know doing my thing like i'm the least aggressively active actor you'll meet in hollywood like i don't go to parties i don't schmooze i don't chuck and jive i just kind of do my thing and i just mm-hmm. keep my head down you know and so like the roundabout answer your question is just like i think most people don't realize that i've made a weird shift in that way in the last couple mm-hmm. of years and it's been very beneficial and i love I it. talking about it how about that <laughs> I love it. No, no, I mean, you know, the one thing, if 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 nothing else, you are probably one of the most genuine humans that I've I've ever known. And and even if we haven't seen each other in thirty years, like, I mean, it was obvious that you were just, you know, you were driven, but not so driven you were willing to sacrifice yourself, right? I mean, you just you wanted to do certain things, and that was it. Like nothing was going to stop you. Um, and I, I find that really, really, you know, um, it, well, empowering, right? Um. I I think just just one more little story before we can go off. I remember um so my my second marriage which went horribly sideways, but um one of my stepdaughters um on her own, she was like 9 or 10 or something. I mean she was young had for whatever reason started watching Grey's Anatomy. And I remember when I first found that out, I was like um Hey, you know, I just mentioned to her like offhand, I was like, Hey Lola, yeah, a, you know, a guy I used to work with and you know, in, in Edmonds, you know, years ago, he's he's the bartender. And I remember her saying, Oh my god, really? Like she was, you know, absolutely fascinated by that and like and completely loved it. And I remember I, I reached out to you and I said, Hey, can you know, is there any chance you can send that, you know, an eight by ten or something like, you know, signed or whatever? And you did, which is awesome, because a lot of people honestly wouldn't, you know. I mean they they'd be like they might say they would, but they wouldn't actually do it. And I remember when Lola got it, her, her eyes like lit up. She's like, oh, my God, this is this is awesome. You know, and up until the day I, I divorced her mom, I remember she still had it. Even at like a 16 year old precocious girl, she still had it like, you know, in a little frame, you know, by her. Wow. Back. So, really? You know, yeah, no, really, dude, really. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't tell stories just to tell them like I, mean, <laughs> I was I was really amazed by that, you know. Um, and yeah, that's it, great. Kind of, yeah, I mean, it just kind of spoke to to you know the authenticity. I think that that you know even in a small role or a commercial or whatever, like you, you do manage to to like show that no matter what. You know what I mean? And I appreciate that's rare. that. Yeah, that's Thank really you. rare. And then before I take too much credit for being cool and sitting your you know <laughs> former stepdaughter, uh, uh, I think yeah, I, I think that. Uh, that's largely a product of me having a lot of time in my hands. You know, when you say other people wouldn't do it, you're right. Cause they've got you know, like way more work to do than me. I mean, I'm just around, like I only get one, you know, one request every, every year. So it's easier for oh, me. Man. You know? 
look, you know what? Maybe we can change that over, 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 you know, the next six months or so. I mean, here's the way I look at it. We're, we're, uh, um, like I said, you're, you're exactly, almost exactly six months older than I am. So my 50th is January 5th. So no, July 1st. Yeah. Almost exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So we're like right there at that, at that moment. Um, maybe, maybe we should set a goal with, which is, you know, like, a um, within some year of, of the first, you know, 50, that's when we break out, man. Like that's where everything just goes crazy. <laughs> well, like, you know, there's an old joke in Hollywood, you know, if I stay here for 20 years, I might become an overnight success. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, and all you have to do is go to any bar or restaurant in Hollywood and you see all of those people, right. Who are still like. Oh, I came here yeah. in 1985. I'm like, well, it's 2015 or 16 or whatever. Um, <clears throat> so that's a that's a good 30 year run. <laughs> yeah, that's actually if I could just totally out of you didn't even ask this completely yeah, out of the blue. Go for it. Uh, just something that's been on my mind a lot lately. I am extremely one of the things that I never expected to come out of this industry. Um, not that I didn't think I'd make friends, um, but like just. Yeah, I'm a character actor. You know, I know every per almost anybody you see on TV that's like a big goofy guy. I probably know that guy from audition rooms. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, Love it. unless they're working out of New York and or whatever. But if they're working out of LA, I I probably know anybody who's like a fat goofy character actor. And the 20 years that I've put in here, that has been like the best reward out of all of it. Is like mm -hmm. getting to know those guys and having a community, and not being. You know, I'm not a. a non-genu guy i'm not here trying to sell you know i'm not brad pitt i'm selling a mustache that's just what i'm doing you know uh so it to me it, it, it's a way more grounded community like the, the character actor community i feel like is a very grounded community we we understand who we are you know? <laughs> <Like> we, <laughs> we're mustaches and funny faces you know like I, and and i just been very uh that community has has been extremely rewarding to uh you involved I, I, I love that and and i'm actually smelling a documentary in there <laughs> yeah that'd which, be great there's i know there's couple. some similar ones yeah. yeah i mean there's one of the best is uh, i can't think of the name right now but it's um about backup singers right mm. so um again you know sort of like you know you're, you're a support role and whatnot and i forget what it's called i think it's called six second or six feet from fame or something like yeah, that. yeah right phenomenal documentary right. um and I think there's another one for actors, but I yeah, there's something called like the guy from the thing. It's like it's called like the guy from the thing or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and that's just fascinating, right? Because you know we don't even think about that, but but um, it's sort of like a um, like a guest musician writing an album that that sets the tone for the thing that we we like, right? right. And so even if you don't know, you know, like Stephen Bailey, like when you watch, you know, whatever show. Um, you definitely set the tone for that, right? And and it, it it might be in the subconscious. Hopefully it's not, but hopefully, you know, um, just in the subconscious and, and people get that and, and you do set the tone for that, right? I mean, you have a, you have a lot to, to do with that entire sensation that people have when they're watching something. Yeah, I guess in a way, you know, the, I feel like the support cast it really, you know, it fills out the world that you need to have, you know? Yeah. And, and, and if a good support actor understands or been around enough just to, to get a feel for it, you know, like there's a whole technique to even 
you know, like if you watch Grey's Anatomy, it's a perfect example. Grey's Anatomy is, this is their whole shtick when it comes to writing and they do it very effectively and very wonderfully. Um, their, their guest cast, you know, whoever the patient is with the heart issue or whatever it is, will almost always, their story almost always reflect in the series regular story, you know, like there'll be a, a similar kind of thing. So oftentimes when you're working on Grey's Anatomy or a show like that, that uses that device effectively, you know, you might have a chunk of speech, you know, you see that script, you know, oh man, I got this chunk of speech. You're going to get halfway through that. You're going to get two lines into that and they're going to cut to the series regular because what you're saying is actually related to their storyline as well. So their reaction, because the story is about them, is more important than me. And right. once you start to understand that and you have the freedom of that, you know, mm -hmm. just uh, you can breathe into that and not worry about it. Then you get to start to do what you're talking about, where everybody mm -hmm. just kind of comes in and fills in and makes this this world, and and no, nobody's trying to um, hit home runs, and nobody's trying to you know, to make big big moments, you know, because they're they're just filling out the world and, and, and mm -hmm. understanding their capacity, you know. It's like right. a good studio musician, I imagine, you know, like yeah, yeah, um, definitely, yeah, yeah, definitely. I I I you know I I respect a ton, you know what you do. Um. I, I stopped doing any drama stuff, like I said, 30, right about 30 years ago. Um, You're a wise man. Well, no, I mean, I miss it. Like, I, I've been talking to friends about staging a, a, a Rocky Horror Picture Show, which I think would be a fucking blast, but that's not the sort of thing you do after 30 years of not acting, right? I mean, like, there's a lot going on in that, that particular, you know, show. Yeah. Um, but I think it would be a lot of fun and... and um, I've talked to some Seattle musicians about that as well, where we can do uh, um, a modern version, right, of, of Rocky Horror, which could be a lot of fun, right? You know, change the music out a little bit, change, you know, the costumes out a little bit. Because, um, you know, you think about it, and obviously I don't want to talk about this too much longer, and we are going to wrap this up, but um, <laughs> when when Tim Curry, you know, in 1972 is, is you know, Frankenfurter, um, transvestite was a dirty fucking word. I'm sorry, it's a dirty word now too, but the concept is not dirty anymore, right? Mm. Um, so just imagine like what you could do with a, a Rocky Horror set in the modern era. Right? I mean, think of the boundaries the you could push. Patient. <laughs> right? I'm very excited. There's a guy um, on Twitter that did a... Um, he sent out, I, I forget the, the handle, but he did a, um, in like 19, I'm sorry, 2005 or six or whatever, like Twitter just started and he, he posted, I see you shiver with dot, dot, dot. Seven years later, he posted anticipation. That's a good joke. That's dedication. <laughs> man. I mean, that's complete dedication. Um, and nobody knows who it is. I, I personally think it was probably Tim Curry. I think he was just like, you know what? I, I'm, a, you know, he, he's, he's, he's the perfect troll of himself even. Right. So I think I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. And there's a dude I'd like to meet. I'd love to meet Tim shit. Curry. And he did that. Like the, the anticipation part came, um, not too long before his, his big stroke that he had a, a few years back. Right. Mm. I still think it's him. Like, I think he was just like, yep, I'm going to set up his Twitter account. <laughs> I'm just going to do this. Pretty funny, man. Yeah, he, he's, I hope he's, it's he's, him. Let's just pretend it's him. Let's spread a rumor that it's him and just be done with it. It's him. 
Well, we it, live it in is. a post-information world. We just say it is, and it's true. That's the that's way right. we live. That's right. right. That's right. It's <laughs> what do they call it? Alternative facts. Let's alternative just... facts. Yeah, we have well... a lot of alternative Tim Curry facts. Okay, and that's I love we're going to stick by them. Yeah, I mean, if there's one guy I would love to have on to just talk to, it would be him. Right, like even in his his state right now, where he you know he has a hard time talking, but he's still mm -hmm. one of the most articulate humans I've ever heard. Right. Yeah. Um, right. So I think that would be you know phenomenal, phenomenal. Stephen, I'm going to let you go, man. We're, we're, we've been on a little bit longer than I thought. That's all right. It was fun. Hope, I had a good time. Yeah, I hope the the video actually works out. If not, we'll do the audio. Whatever. I say all that. Right, bro. I totally don't edit anything. Hey, brother. <laughs> thank you so much. Hey, stay on just for a second after we after we kill this, and and we'll talk just okay. a second. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cheers, man. Bye. Cheers.